Okay, guys, welcome to Pause Points Podcast. Welcome back, I should say. And believe it or not, all three of us are here. Faith, you're here. I'm here. She's like up in my face right now because we couldn't get all three of the microphones to work. Uh, so we're kind of <laughs> jerry-rigging this best we can. And believe it or not, he is still live. Chad is here as Yes, well. I'm here in the flesh. In the flesh. He's <laughs> actually in the room with us, not over the interwebs. Yes. Or in his car on Skype. <laughs> so, Which has um, been done, so... So, um, so what we're going to do today is we're just totally going to take it easy because we went back and actually listened to our last podcast and man, that was boring. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just going to talk like we normally do the three of us, uh, as, as we've been in the past and, uh, we're going to discuss a few different topics. I think we're going to discuss the year in review. We're going to discuss some crazy movie theories that we have of both the Star Wars and Harry Potter variety. And uh, then we're going to get into some Golden Globes discussions, uh, from which you probably won't hear from me for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> so, and I um, think I think the year in rev- in review is very easy because twenty sixteen sucked. Uh, uh, there were some good films, but the year was just awful on many different levels. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so glad it's over. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, so we haven't been doing this in a while because. Chad has an actual job, and he's president or something. I don't know what he does. But um, we've been trying to figure that out for years. And then we've had holidays and surgeries and just new jobs and everything. So um, we're back, and we're going to discuss all things movies. And I don't know if we'll get into video game stuff today or not. But probably As we said, the goal for 2017, less tumors. Less tumors, yes. Less tumors. Worldwide, less tumors. (laughs) Exactly. And... For the love of God, less celebrity deaths. As yeah, well. you know, I it Whew. the whole the Carrie Fisher Debbie Reynolds thing made me very sad. You all are Star Wars people. I'm a singing in the rain guy. So those two days were pretty bad because I liked Carrie Fisher too. I I had a lot of respect for her, but the one I the one that I just couldn't get over right there at the eleventh hour, and we lose William Christopher who played Father Mulcahy on Mash. It was like. There just did there have to be just that one last stab from 2016, almost at the very end. I, I think the meme that summed it up was a picture of Betty White saying she won the Celebrity Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it felt like. I hadn't heard just that one after. I hadn't heard that, year. but I I absolutely loved the guy who made the GoFundMe. That the the GoFundMe was that. He wanted to raise enough money so that he could go to wherever Betty White was and protect her from 2016. Right. And I thought that was fantastic. I don't think I heard about the guy from uh, from MASH. Though. Yeah, it was it was sometime Saturday, but Saturday night was when it made it across all the news stuff and everything. And, and it was like, you know, he was the nicest character from everything I've always read. I think he was a really nice, gentle, happy guy. And... As one of my friends said, you know, he he was older. He was 84, so at least he he lived a good life. But on top of everything else, that was like, God, just one more. And 
think I'm gonna. I want to go home and watch Singing in the Rain. I feel like I owe it to Debbie oh, Reynolds. I lo- this might surprise you. I love Singing in the Rain. It's oh, really? Probably one of my oldest or favorite old movies. You no, know, I've I've always loved Singing in the Rain, with the exception of that like 20 minute Broadway melody part at the end. That that is weird. Yeah, that it's I just don't like that. it's weird. It has no place in that. It seems kind of stupid. Um, he did it again in an American in Paris. Really? That, yeah, when see, he, I didn't see any more of his movies. Yeah, he he did another one of those in that one, and where he he does a complete interpretive dance to Gershwin's. Yeah, it's like song. a fourth wall breaking. Yeah, and dance I mean he's a great dancer, and I think it's cool that they showcase his dancing. I just didn't understand it well, in Singing in the Rain. My mom forced me to watch all those kind of black and white old oldies movies mm-hmm. and and dancing movies, and, stuff, and I didn't appreciate them as a little kid, mm-hmm. but. Um, I appreciate them a lot more now that I'm older, and and it's I think Singing in the Rain is a perfect example of one of those. They don't make movies like that anymore. Movies, yeah. So and he's he was good in that the the regular old song and dance stuff that's in Singing in the Rain is great. It's just that extended dance piece at the end that I just never really never really understood why it was there. But if you ever do want to see a really fun one though that he does, and it's a, a real short like three minute sequence in a very forgettable movie called It's Always Fair Weather. It, there's a nice scene where he tap dances on roller skates, and that's pretty cool. So if you ever need a just a nice little happy Gene Kelly fix in the middle of the day, if you're having a bad day or they something. I often do. Right, don't we all? <laughs> if you ever need I've a, often thought, I need my Gene Kelly yeah, fix. If anybody ever needs a happy little pick-me-up in the middle of the day, go on YouTube, watch him dance. To, like I said, the movie's forgettable, the song is forgettable, but his dancing on roller skates is really cool. So. <laughs> All right, so what are we starting with? Year in review, theories, or Golden Globes? Yeah, so what was everybody's favorite movie of the year and least favorite movie of the year? Mm. Let's go with that one. Oh, wow. I'm going to say my favorite movie of the year was Rogue One. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I thought it was a nice side story. And by nice, I mean, like you know, depressing like you would think it would be. But (laughs) I like to see a little bit of a darker more gritty version of Star Wars. I liked all the new characters. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a a nice, tight movie, and I also liked how it explained some of the events of A New Hope, and it makes me see that movie a lot differently now, in a good way. It kind of cleared up some plot holes from A New Hope. Let's keep it spoiler-free, because there's a lot of people out there right now during Christmas break that are probably... If, if us going to the movie theater and seeing how many people were going into Rogue One the other day, they, they still haven't seen it. I actually walked out of the movie theater the other day. We went to go see Passengers. And the people behind me were walking out of Rogue One, clearly, because as we're walking to the car, as I'm walking to the car, they completely yelled at the end of Rogue One. They're like, I can't believe this happened. And I was just like, wow, I'm glad I saw it. And so... But wow. that, was, that was literally like two or three days ago. So let's keep it spoiler-free. Plus, yeah. Chad hasn't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. Although, yeah. you could probably tell me the plot, like, scene by scene and everything in it. And it wouldn't make me understand it anymore. Yeah. But A New Hope is Star Wars, right? The original. The original yeah. Okay. First yeah. So, thing. Star yes. Wars. Yeah. And, this but, was like Star Wars Episode 3.95. Whereas A New, a New Hope is 4. So this is right I see. before A New Hope. I, I saw... I've seen them all now except for the new one, Rogue One. Um, and, you know, the, those those original ones were very good. And that one last year was very good. The ones that were the older ones that are, I guess, the first ones were really bad. 
I, that one I felt like I was watching like intergalactic You're talking about the prequels. Yeah. yeah the one where I felt like I was watching intergalactic C-SPAN. Yeah. And <laughs> which yes. as a as a, you know, political guy, you'd think I would love that except like at least when I go into C-SPAN in our world, I know what I'm getting into. Well, yeah, this is nothing like that. Yeah. This is this people have explained this one as basically they made a movie out of the opening crawl of the first Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. Hope. So it explains but how they got the plans. I am going to see this one. I just got to make sure that I don't well, mess you it up. The Force Awakens. I did. I did. Yeah. Once I finally got to see it all, because the first time I saw it was in that IMAX, where it was. I was in the very front row, so I only That's got to right. see half the That's screen. Right. So, like, I was physically moving my head back and forth to read what's on the credits at the beginning, because yeah. it all didn't fit in my line of vision. But, but. I'm excited to see this one at some point. Well, this one, it was good. My, my take on it was that it was definitely darker. Um, people are comparing it more to Empire. A lot of people are saying they like this better. Um, I think I like Episode Seven better, just because it's a little more cheery and mm-hmm. bright, ironically, if you, you think about how that movie goes. But, um, yeah, I definitely did. I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie of the year. I'm, I'm not sure what is. I have to think while you guys are talking, because... I have to think back to what I've even seen. I forget. This year. Yeah, I forget what all has come out this year. What See, I I go through the the big dead space. So at the beginning of the year, like January, February, I normally spend that amount of time just watching movies that are going to be up for the the different awards stuff. And so, you know, with the Oscars, I might be watching like ten pictures or something like that. Um, and then after that's done, then I go through this big like dead space because. I have to just not watch films for a while. Right. And then I have no time to do it in the summer. And then I, I kind of slowly ease back into a lot of stuff. Um, so I'm trying to think of, of what I've seen this year that would be a 2016 film that that would be my favorite. I'd have to really think about that or the ones that were, were bad. I've seen, I've seen several films recently. Um, but you don't have a favorite from last year? You, I, you know, I'd really 2016? have... 2016? Oh, God. Well, like I said, I have to think about what is a 2016 film. Yeah. I need to go back through and look at all of that. I'm looking at what's nominated for Golden Globe stuff. And actually, several of those I haven't seen, but are probably coming up you know, fairly quickly. Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> we offered you lunch. <laughs> Opportunities were given. <laughs> I'm going to start chewing on these earphones. <laughs> Chad just watched Captain America. He we we got him to watch his first Marvel movie ever. And you actually I did. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it cuz I didn't know that it took place in World War II and I really liked that. But now that I've been told that the rest of them take place in modern times, I've totally lost all interest to continue. No, they're still good. They're still good. They're still fun. Yeah. What Marvel movie came out this year? Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Was that it? Was that one in the summer? Civil War. Civil War. Which we might talk about in a few minutes. Okay. I had the opportunity to see Doctor Strange a couple of times, and that had no interest at all yeah, to that's me. That's not a good starting It was good. It was good. It's not a good starting point for a no. Marvel newbie. Mm-hmm. Or comic book movie newbie in general. Sorry. Mo- movie newbie. Movie newbie. You know, I, I did like... I liked the one we saw last night. Manchester, Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. You guys came back depressed. Well, yeah, so. but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. I come back from all kinds of movies depressed. It was very layered. It was a very well thought out flashback. It, it all worked together, and I enjoyed the score. Yeah, yeah, for anybody who 
has you know been it has been doing the movie thing for a while. I told Faith, I said it was the closest thing I had seen to ordinary people since ordinary people. Is that a movie or are you talking about like real No, the movie. The movie Ordinary People. It won best picture in 1980, I think it was. And it had a lot of the same kind of technique to it. It was a very dark film, both physically dark and the story was dark. They made use of classical music in lots of ways. It was depressing, gray kind of look. Manchester by the Sea was the same. I mean, it was the score behind it had a lot of classical stuff to it that was used at various important times. And um, the story was good, though. It had a good plot. And the acting was excellent. Oh, I thought everybody did a great job. Absolutely. I can totally see why Casey Affleck is being touted as a winner with this one because he, he did a fantastic well, the acting job. acting is always good in these movies, but... Yeah. You say, you say you... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did, but I enjoyed it. I would recommend people to see it. It was darker than I thought it was going to be. I'll put it that way. But it had really light moments. Oh, yeah. Humor. Yeah. It did? I feel like it had to. Yeah. It. I mean, it almost... It played it, played it very well. Yes. Otherwise, it would have been super depressing. Yes. If they hadn't had that you know, comedy. So, I guess I, I, didn't, I didn't come out of it shocked. Like, I knew it would be kind of a, a downer. I mean, the... the the major plot point is depressing going into it. A, a guy whose brother dies and he inherits his son, and I mean that's what they've been showing and everything. That's you know, but there was there but was it gets more depressing. Yeah, there was that. far more depth. Yeah, the to logic it. just doesn't like it doesn't make sense. And I know it's your this is your bag. These are your types of movies, but yeah. that logic doesn't make sense to me. It's like going to a restaurant and saying, "Well, we got food poisoning, but man, that was good going down." <laughs> Oh, I've done that. <laughs> Let's go back there. Like, well, it made me throw up, but it tasted great on the way down. And but it was and and when I went into it, that was all I knew about the plot too. And I thought, well, I've seen dozens of movies where that's the plot that somebody dies and some relative who isn't expecting it inherits a kid or kids or something like that. And you can either do that comedically, like they've done at times, or it can it can be dramatic you can try and mix the two i mean that that's the basic plot of pollyanna that disney did you know i mean there, there's lots of things that's a that's a real basic storyline that a lot a of Catherine people use Heigl movie on yes basis as well is it her with some other stud and it's like a depressing romantic yeah type so of movie. yeah so that's a it's a standard yeah. plot point that's been used for years but this one took it to a far greater depth than i ever anticipated and it was good it just was a little it was a little more than i thought it would be and uh there was there were some interesting twists and turns but i liked it i see why it's being nominated for different things totally see it with casey affleck i thought michelle williams was good at oh it i too. thought she was excellent yeah She's still alive yeah yeah we haven't seen her in forever i know it's been a while since i'd seen her in something dawson's or no not dawson's creek she's been in stuff since dawson's creek Right? Yeah, she was in. Yeah. Well, she was married to Heath Ledger. Yeah, she was in Brokeback Mountain after she did yeah, Dawson's Creek. Right. She was excellent in that. Hmm. There was. She has had some good haircuts in her lifetime. <laughs> I've, I've always been uh, enjoying the Michelle Williams haircuts. But and without without <laughs> giving away anything because it was fairly important, there was a particular scene between uh, Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck that I thought was exceptionally well done. 
Yeah, on both their parts. It, it yeah, they they both they pretty much stole the whole movie right mm-hmm. there, and it was it was worth it. If for nothing else, just that that was great. I think I've decided my favorite movie of the year. Okay. I can hardly wait. I'm just trying to figure out if this is from this year. Did we see Civil War this year? Civil War was this year because remember we saw the Russo brothers at Comic Con last year, and they were talking about Civil War coming out. Yeah, okay, and I thought they had made a movie about the Civil so War. Right. Okay, so that was this year. That was this okay, year. Wow, and that's the year we started Pause Points Podcast. Yes. 2016. So the 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 note in which we started it all, I'm going to say that was my favorite movie this year. That 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 ended up being, I I thought it was actually as good if not a little better than Winter Soldier, and I don't think a lot of people agree with me on that one. But that that came out and exceeded expectations. I had pretty high expectations for it. Um, the Russo brothers did an amazing job again, and they're going to be going into Infinity War, hopefully filming some parts in Cleveland. Um, but that was that was the one going into 2016. I think I was the most excited about. Um, I wasn't really worried about it like I was Suicide Squad or Batman versus Superman or anything like that. Um, but or any other DC property any ever. Any other DC thing ever. Hopefully, going into 2017, Wonder Woman will surprise us all. But please. Um, but yeah, Civil War. It's it's got to be it. We're gonna get you there, Chad. You got You got You got one more movie in between what you watched today and Civil War, but we're gonna get I'm- you there. You know, for the for the sake of our podcast and trying to level the playing field with stuff, I'm willing to go down that road, you know. I don't think I'll like it much if it wasn't during World War II. <laughs> we'll find out. As I said, you know, it's it's like with the Indiana Jones series. I don't know why. After after Temple of Doom, it was clearly determined that the movies are only good when he fights Nazis. Yeah. Well they- And so I don't know. Like these people, they were fighting Nazis. It was a good movie. Now you're not going to fight Nazis. I don't know if I'm going to like that as much. Because Indiana Jones, I was right there for fighting Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark. We go fighting weird Hindus in in Temple of Doom, and it was awful. And then everybody understood it was awful. So they came back with Last Crusade, fought Nazis, one of the best films ever made. Then we wait 20 years and start fighting communists and aliens yep and so now i just pretend that two and four didn't happen because it was that bad i think most people do so yeah. i'm i'm hoping that this isn't like that like no. i better not be seeing another temple of doom and without giving too much away winter soldier actually deals with some remnants of nazis well if there's still nazis there's then it's probably extent. good so you'll there see. there is no greater villain to fight than nazis yeah well i mean the thing about Captain America, it wasn't really fighting Nazis. It was Hydra, which was the stand-in for Nazis. So the next movie kind of builds upon Hydra and what's going on with They it. had German accents. That means yeah, they're it's, Nazis. It's Marvel's oh, yeah. version of Nazis. So <laughs> basically. So alrighty. So that's my favorite. I already know my least favorite. But we're what's not that? we're not there yet because Chad hasn't given us his favorite. Oh, I don't know. Go, Come on, pull it together. Man. I need he to, was kind of going with Manchester. Yeah, I'll see. I'll I'll go with that. I need to see a list that of what came out favorite? this year. We need to pull that up. If we can pull, let's pull up a list of what got released this year. You you pull up a list. While we do that, Joe's going to talk about his least favorite. Yeah, do I that. I was going to go get a candy bar because I'm about to pass out. <laughs> we My offered you favorite? a corn dog. I, I can't eat corn dogs, Chad. Oh, for you God. can't feed me meat. Can't or won't. <laughs> Both. And All if, right. if you'd so watch Archer, you'd get you, that joke too. You pull it up. I'm going to talk about my least favorite. This is not too shocking. But it's Suicide Squad. I think it's everyone's least favorite movie this year. 
Uh, it was not Batman versus Superman, or Batman v Superman, since that makes you so mad when I say that. Um, when you go back and watch Batman v Superman, the extended cut with the director that he put together, it actually makes a lot more sense and turns it into a better movie. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Thank you for your input. <laughs> yes. We're sharing a microphone, so I can't talk We're very like, long. Cheek We're to cheek, cheek to cheek. I'm pushing her out of the microphone right now. Um, I There were a bunch of movies, though, honestly, I will say that I was also disappointed in like X-Men Apocalypse. Um, but as with the least favorite movie section, the most favorite movie section, uh, this applies to both. There's still a lot of movies I haven't seen this year that I wanted to, um, including uh, Magnificent Seven and The Arrival. Sausage Party. <laughs> no. Um, so, I mean, it's... It, it's there's things we might come back and and kind of amend some of this as well so uh but anyways as far as the least favorite i would definitely say suicide squad most favorite i would say um civil war both comic book movies shocker shocker so did you guys make any headway looking at lists of stuff i can talk here. about my sleeper hit that i liked yeah what's that yeah so the one that i said that was going to be really special um another uh, Robert Redford joint. I know I was telling you that Robert Redford was in Winter Soldier, Chad. But have you seen Pete's Dragon? No, and I, I would like to see that. Okay, I have said... Was it good? ...from the first trailer that that movie looked special. Mm-hmm. The year before, I said there's something really good and special and magical about... Um, what's that Blake Lively movie where she doesn't age? The Age of Adeline. That's the one. The Age of Adeline. I said something special about that one, and it, it turned out uh, really good as well. But Pete's Dragon, definitely, uh, I, th- I would say my sleeper hit this year. I think it did an awesome, awesome job. Robert Rifford did a great job. Bryce uh, Dallas Howard did a good job. Uh, the Dragon was lovable, and the little kid, I think that was his first acting job, and he did a great job as Pete as well. So, you know, I, might, I might go with Fantastic Beasts as my favorite in 2016. Really? Yeah, I really did like that. So first of yeah. all, you saw that. I didn't know you saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chad's apparently a Harry Potter fan, so finally at least something. Yeah, ready. I'm a huge, huge Harry Potter Here, fan. You talk about Fantastic Beasts. I got to get a candy bar. All right, so this would be a good time. So you said you liked Fantastic Beasts, and you have a theory. <laughs> yes. That that was that was graceful. <laughs> all right, so you have a theory about yeah. Fantastic Beasts. So, and I think this is a great one. And, and Joe's going to miss out on the whole thing. And I'm I'm normally not a theory kind of person with some of the... Or if I am, I never get it right. But um, it just so happened... So I've been rereading the, the Harry Potter series of books because I really like it. And I have been rereading the last Harry Potter book while I went and saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um... So I, which I did. I thought it was a really good movie. It was another one. It was much darker than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. The plot was. I mean, I didn't think that the plot was going to be sunny and happy, but I didn't think it was going to have the really dark turn that it had through most of the film. Um, so you know, as a, a spoiler alert, the I don't know if you would call it a villain kind of a thing. What they're fighting against is. Um, Oh, God, I just had it. I knew I was going to forget this. <laughs> Start with an O. Yeah. I'll, even coming in, I was like, I got to remember this. And then it took us an hour to set up. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, where's that at? Dude, I'll look find the Wikipedia article. I'll look at that. But yeah, spoiler alert on this one. And it's also a spoiler for the Harry Potter books. Yeah. If you haven't read them, unfortunately, they skip over almost all of this in the movies. Yeah. So I was disappointed in the last Harry Potter film. I always was. And really think that it should be remade and done right. Because there were a lot of things that they did in that that I hated. It's an obscurus. Obscurus. That's it. Yes. Okay. I, I also agree with you a little bit. I like the Harry Potter movies. I know that they are what they are, and I don't want them to ever be remade. But I would like to see an animated cartoon a la uh, Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars where they actually take all the parts of the book because you can make a 23-episode season out of each one of those books oh, and yeah. cover all the ground. Oh, absolutely. So that's my idea, a seven-year animated series. Of That'd Harry be Potter. pretty cool. Yeah, so my theory is, so again, spoiler alert, what they are fighting in Fantastic Beasts is called an Obscurus. And it inhabits the body of a child. And it's caused, they, they talk about it almost in terms of being archaic, as something that happened in the days when before the the statutes of secrecy when people would find wizards and witches and really abuse them and try and get them to suppress their powers and all of that would sort of form into a little powerful evil ball called an obscurus and so it inhabits inhabits a child um causes major major unleashing of magical powers and things very destructive and then kills the child eventually. I thought that was cool. The yeah. Obscurus thing. Yeah, I really did. I thought that was that was neat. Um, so my theory on this is, and like I said, I probably wouldn't have ever come up with this had I not been doing the thing simultaneously. My theory is that Dumbledore, so the the one of the lead characters in the books, Albus Dumbledore, I believe his sister is an obscurus. Because um, they talk in, especially in the last book, about how he had a sister who was too frail to attend school. And they talk in some detail about her, but also kind of skim over it. But there's a lot of things that point to it. So they said she was too frail to go to school because she was attacked when she was very young by three muggle boys. Is this your theory? By this the way? is my theory. Okay. Yeah. She was a, so well, I mean, some of the stuff is a fact. My theory is she's an obscurus, but the stuff that they mention, she was attacked by three muggle boys because she did some sort of magic that they saw, and then they bullied her to try and get her to do it again, and then they, um, then people were bullying her to try and suppress her magical powers. So I think that was the be- the beginning of that. Um, and then they say, you know, she couldn't go to school and that she would have these occasional outbursts when all of these bad things would happen during one of those, she had some sort of outbursts and accidentally killed their mother. And then they mention later on that, that she died very young and that she, she died when Albus and their brother Aberforth were having some sort of a fight or a duel or something, but it doesn't really say, it never says that they killed her necessarily. It's just that, that, Albus felt responsible for her death or that something happened that caused that. Um, so that's my theory, is that Dumbledore's sister was an obscurus. Yeah, it'll be really interesting how they actually continue these 
movies. I guess there are four more, so there's five total, and we all assume that it's going to be a, the big fight between Albus Dumbledore and Grindelwald at yeah. the end. Yeah. And that kind of ties in with the timeline of the sister. So maybe that will be one of the things that, um, what's his face? Newt Scamander yeah. is trying to help Albus Dumbledore save his sister by separating the Obscurus. Yeah. Well, and, during, and during this time period, in, in the timeline with stuff, am I correct that that was when Dumbledore and Grindelwald were close when Ariana, when the sister was still alive after the mom died? That's when they were very close. And he does seem, through the Fantastic Beast storyline, Grindelwald seems to be obsessed with the whole Obscurus thing and the use of it for for power mm-hmm. over things. So yeah, it kind of fits. I'm a little worried how old Grindelwald is now. And yeah. I, I thought we would get a little bit younger version of that leading into, especially since there's going to be a 19-year time jump to the next one. It's going to be in Paris. So I was hoping it would be a little bit younger. So yeah. the, the timeline, I'm a little, I don't really know where... Albus and Grindelwald fit in in their friendship right now in this timeline. It's it's jumping forward 19 years? Yeah, yeah. I think the next one's going to be 19 years ahead in Paris. Oh, that's huge. So do you think that the... Uh, correct me, it's been a while since I've seen the Beast movie, but um, I liked it, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, but do you... He has an Obscurus in his bag, right? To You don't think that's... Dumbledore's sister, do you? No, 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 no. Oh and no, he talks about that being a little girl that he helped. No, it was, it was. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. It was in Africa or something. Like yeah, that. I was. It it didn't fit. It, to me, that didn't fit with the with that being like the Obscurus that that had become Dumbledore's sister. I don't think that was it. Um, but I really, that's. I don't know. I, I I think that this could be like that one time that maybe I've predicted something a theory with some of this stuff and it might actually be right it seems like something jk rowling would do because she plants seeds very early on yeah and very she's, early on yeah, and that won't come through to the last movie yeah and she's known for kind of having the entire universe of all of this formed in her mind and then you know she just sort of distilled down pieces of it that we got for some of this because you know you can ask her questions and she can give very detailed answers on nearly any part of the whole wizarding world thing and it always fits so i i could see i could see her have done something like this so it's similar it's similar to lucas and i think haven't they always said he he had this whole space opera planned out in his head to some extent when he farted the, when he <laughs> farted when he farted the first movie when he well, started he, part the out first, the he farted those so. prequels he did, yeah. yeah he started the first movie so yeah I could, there, yeah, yeah, he actually had seven, eight, and nine planned a long time ago, but he didn't feel like he had the appropriate technology or ability to film those. So that's why he stopped and went with the prequels. I'm glad that he stopped on his own. Although, I mean, I did think he needed to be forcibly retired, as I do Steven Wait, Spielberg. He didn't, he didn't feel he had the technology to do seven, eight, and nine, so he did the prequels. He, there wasn't enough CG technology for it? Yeah, I think that's why he... Just stopped after six. Oh, good Lord, what would a seven, eight, nine look like? If, Who knows? I mean, it would have been an animated movie at that point. I don't time. know. Like, yeah, let, I let, could be wrong. But I think let us happened. all just be thankful that he stopped, because his last ones he put out were awful. And and like I said, I think we can all agree that Steven Spielberg needs to stop now too. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> okay. the things that he's put out recently, awful. 
did he do the B- BFG? He did do the BFG. He did I didn't the BFG. See that. It was a cute movie. I just have a problem with that whole animation style. I, I'm not a fan. She hates anything that looks like the Polar Express. I can't stand oh, it. Oh, really? And it was very lumber. Like, you know, I like fast animation, like Finding Dory, or something that actually seems timed correctly to real life. It just felt like everything was so lumbering in mm-hmm. the movie, like the way they walked. I understand they're giants, and you know, the larger you get, the slower you move, or whatever that. But it still bothered me. I want to see the science behind that, by the way. The larger you get, the slower you move. Perspective that it looks like from human beings. There's there's a whole scientific discussion me and Faith had the other night. It didn't get anywhere because we didn't know what we were talking about. But <laughs> I want to know why things that are bigger than other things always seemingly move slower. Like, okay, so in Civil they're, War... They're moving normal. Wait, well, in, in Civil their, War, in their... you see Ant-Man... Mm-hmm. He gets really small and he seems to move faster. And then in normal life, he's no, normal he speed. Like and then when he's when he's larger, he he does move slower. I yes. get it. I just don't like the animation. But in his in his like like to us, we walk at normal pace. But to ants, are we moving in slow motion? If anybody has the answer to this, please write in no, to <laughs> info at I mean, pausepointspodcast.com. Yeah, I mean, we to me. We would love to know the answer to that. Yeah, I, I, shouldn't we just take this back to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? That's where I'm basing it off of, too. Auntie and the scorpion yeah. and everything. That's, yeah. That's where I'm thinking of that as well. I don't know why we're getting mad. I'm just saying I don't like the animation style. I'm not saying I don't disagree with the lumbering of giants. I just didn't yeah. love it. Yeah, but So please, if, if somebody knows, please write in and, and tell us, or if you have a theory on why that is, write to us at info at pausepointspodcast.com. Also, if anyone can see... Some way to get this recording to J.K. Rowling, I would really like for her to hear my theory because I'm almost convinced that I'm right. And if I'm not right, I think that she should go ahead and start changing stuff now to make me right because my theory is really good. You're not getting any of that Harry Potter money. I would, I would love, I would love just a little bit of Harry Potter. Just money. give us a day at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah, I'd go for that. That's all we I'd, need. I'd be perfectly happy. All expenses paid. All right, so that's Chad's theory on um, Fantastic Beasts and the Harry Potter tie-in. We have a theory. Joe seemed to have a fever dream of working this out, the Star Wars theory. So he's going to tell us his theory on Rey, which came from my idea. I've always thought she's a Kenobi. I didn't know how. I didn't know why. I always felt like she was a Kenobi. So here's what Joe thinks. That's the girl in the last one, right? Yeah, Ray, okay. Ray is the girl in episode seven. So okay. this is really cool because when she says fever dream, she literally means it. I wasn't feeling good one night, and I remember going to sleep, and I don't even think I was thinking of Star Wars. And I literally, you, you ever go to sleep and you're thinking of a problem before you get it, and you figure it out, and you're sleep, and you wake up with the solution. That's the beauty of dreams. Yeah, and then I always forget immediately. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I went to to bed and I, I literally remembered piecing this together in my head a, a conclusion I would have never drawn on my own uh, but you know full spoiler warning for everything Star Wars at this point uh, so Rebels specifically uh, there's a season of Rebels going on right now so up into the most recent episode of Rebels uh, Clone Wars Star Wars everything uh, Chad you're not going to watch all that anyways so nope not in the least um, <laughs> so <laughs> The whole idea about Rey being a Kenobi has been one of the theories that are floating around for quite some time, uh, but there hasn't been a lot of weight behind it. 
Um, and a lot of people just say it's because she has an accent. Accents could be anything. Well, so not, I'm not I'm not basing it on her accent. Not just that, but you hear Obi Wan's voice when she has her Force vision yeah, when she touches the yeah the lightsaber. So there there are there are valid reasons to it. I, I definitely don't think she's Luke's. Um, I don't think she's Luke's daughter. I think he he's never really had anyone. I think he's gonna die an old Jedi maid spinster. You know, making lightsabers until he dies. So, <laughs> um, but. The thing with Rey is that I think backs up that she's a Kenobi to a certain extent. I think she's his granddaughter. Um, recently on Star Wars Rebels, there was an episode where, um, first of all... Sabine. Yes, first of all, Darth Maul is still a part of the series uh, in Rebels. He was part in Clone Wars. The last time we saw him, he actually killed a Duchess Satine who is someone that Obi-Wan used to have a romantic relationship with when he was a Padawan. And she was a Mandalorian, which is the same race as Boba Fett and Jango Fett. So he, they have the masks, and they, they, they look like Boba Fett. So um, we'll show you a picture, Chad. <laughs> You're giving me a look. Um, but uh, the thing is, is she's from Mandalore, and she does get killed by Darth Maul. Um, and that's kind of where that storyline is left. Um, that also ties in with the storyline of a dark saber, which is like this crazy looking lightsaber that's black. Um, so that's all within the best this, lightsaber. Ever yeah, it's really far. cool looking. So that's all tied in together. And now we're at a point in Rebels where um, we're at a point in Rebels where they've come across the dark saber again. Darth Maul is back in the picture. Uh, he's fighting um, one of the main characters in Rebels. For his Padawan, which is another main character in Rebels, Ezra Bridger. Um, and they're kind of, he, Ezra's kind of torn between light and dark. So my thought is that there is a, a girl named um, Sabine that is part of their Rebels crew. She is a Mandalorian, and she's been on the show forever. Uh, at the end of the last episode, she picks up the Darksaber almost as it's calling to her. Um, because it's just lying on the ground after a big fight that they have, and she walks away with it. So that's where I left off. I had my dream, and what I thought was, what if that Sabine from Rebels, the Mandalorian from Rebels, is actually Obi-Wan and this Duchess from Clone Wars' daughter that Obi-Wan never knew he had? Um, another clue to that is Rebels has tied in significantly, had several tie-ins and Easter eggs in Rogue One. Um, the ships, the characters... They were in Rogue One, which is the first time that's ever happened from animated to live action. Um, so that being there and and the fact that they are now on a search for Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Rebel show, they're actually going to look for him now. Um, I think everything's going to tie together where by the time Episode 8 comes out, um, they're going to leave with a distinct hint or note in Rebels that maybe Obi-Wan and this girl is related. Now, the other thing that ties into that is we, we also thought taking that a step further that, um, Ezra will continue to be conflicted light and dark side kind of deal. And he might have a, you know, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader type meltdown. If, if, um, Ezra from the show ends up actually getting together with this, this daughter of Obi-Wan and they become a couple and they have Rey. Now, so that would make Rey three quarters Jedi. What? That would make her a three quarter blood Jedi. It would. 
Yeah, because if Sabine is the daughter of Obi-Wan, she'd be half Jedi. Ezra's a full Jedi. That would make Ray. Wait, is Jedi a race? No, it's just like you're you're She's tie, a math teacher. She it's, math it's your tie-in with the force. So some people are more force sensitive than others. So oh. it's the it's the metachlorian count in your blood. No, no, let's, we're not. No, I'm pushing you away from the mic. We're not talking no, about this. I'm just saying, like, with if if it were something it's that was passed down, if it was a trait, it would be three. She would be three quarters with Jedi. It's just less surprising that she has Jedi abilities oh, okay. because she came from a Jedi. Because Han Solo is a muggle, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. But the, also the thing about Jedi is they do not form any relationships. So they never get married. And these movies are why. <laughs> and so so that's why it would be even more special if she were a descendant of a Jedi because those just don't exist. Because they they vow to just keep uphold the Jedi responsibilities in the Jedi order they don't get married they don't have kids so but, for her to be three-quarter Jedi already just it would just be a really interesting take I mean, on she it. might be extremely powerful so but here's the thing why does the question of this is why does Sabine from Star Wars Rebels Star Wars Rebels not have any force sensitivity herself we don't know that she doesn't I mean obviously the Darksaber is called to her so right. maybe her, she's having a force awakening somehow. Well, the other, the other clincher to this, the other clincher to this that I think is very interesting, is that what I was going is if her and Ezra get together and do have Ray, their daughter, um, there has to. I, I've said it from the beginning of Star Wars Rebels came out. We're, we're in season three right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're in season three, um, and Star Wars Rebels came out around the time we knew. The Force Awakening was happening. We started hearing stuff about Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren and stuff like that. Um, from the very get-go in Rebels, I told her there is absolutely no way that this is a coincidence that Sabine in, in Star Wars Rebels, her last name is Ren. Oh. So she, I don't know how she got there. She There's a story that she tells about her being adopted. She might not even know that her mother was the Duchess. She might have been hidden yeah. to keep her safe. But there are people saying that what if, what if down the road Ezra, it, it goes, he goes to the good side, but he still has the dark side pulling at him and he's married to Sabine. Something terrible happens to her, puts him over the edge and he starts the Knights of Ren and, and in her namesake and all this other stuff. The so. problem I have with this is it's spelled differently. Sabine Wren is W-R-E-N. Yes. Knights of Ren is R-E-N. So I just don't understand why they would spell things differently. That's okay. I mean, That's it, just part of my problem with that. I don't know. But there has to be some sort of like Star Wars Ellis Island out there, right? That like maybe they came through someplace and they were like, nope, it's spelled like this now, you know? That's true. Yes, it could happen. Okay, so I'm just saying, you know, yeah. there's got to be. I'm trying some to think of another example of that. But Star yeah, Wars yeah. Immigration and Naturalization Service that just goes <laughs> ahead and changes your last name. It's like uh, Mouskowitz right on Fifle. Yeah, yeah, on American Tale. Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. So it's like, oh, you're McGillicuddy, and we're just going to change it to Smith because we feel like it. <laughs> so, you know? So that's 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 our crazy Star Wars theory that I think supports that she is a Kenobi, that she's Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter, right? Granddaughter? Yes. I haven't looked at the timeline. I don't really care about the timeline. I think it's an awesome storyline. I think we should go with it. From what little I know about all of this stuff, it does sound pretty cool. But what if your kids have kids and you don't have kids? 
What does that make you? That was the blondest <laughs> moment Joe ever had in his life. We were we were driving in the car one night, and we were having an in-depth discussion about family lineage. And out of nowhere, in the middle of driving down the highway, I asked the question, what did I say? What did I... Like, oh, wait a second. Now, if we don't have kids, but are, our kids are, have kids, what does that what make, does us? That make <laughs> us? And I'm just like... Absolutely nothing. <laughs> a scientific anomaly. <laughs> right. I think I was thinking adoption... But I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. It was a very stupid moment. Remember, they did try and answer a similar question to, like that in Spaceballs. When it's it, um, Dark Helmet. It's like you know, I'm your father's brother's oh, sister, yeah, something, right. something, <laughs> yeah, former right. roommate. <laughs> Bill Pullman says, "Well, what does that make us? <laughs> Absolutely nothing." <laughs> I think a lot of it's these a stunt double. Yeah, right. A lot of these things, I think, could be answered if we just look at space balls. They really did a very good job with so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so did we talk about your guys' least favorite movie? We have not. So we've talked theories. Let's go back to least favorite. I would have to say Suicide Squad. You too? There really wasn't much about that movie I liked at all. Yeah? Yep, that's it. You love the Enchantress's dance, though. Her dance was the worst part of that movie. There were a lot of bad things about that movie, but she was probably the worst character I've ever seen. I thought the um, representation of Harley Quinn and Deadshot were awesome. And even the Joker, I didn't horribly mind. I know they were trying to do something very different from Heath Ledger's Joker, but that's about it. I didn't love the movie. Chad, what about you? I don't remember what my least favorite was. You're, oh. you're, you're 0 for 2 here. Buddy. I am. I Yeah. <laughs> I should have done far more research onto what I've seen. That's my okay. My New Year's resolution for 2017 is I'm going to keep a written list of every film that I see, so that way I can easily go back and reference. I think we could do that as well. Yeah, and then when it comes to this time next year, we'll be able to. Yeah. Um. To better. Maybe by 2018, I can even come up with an entire rubric for everything I see, so that way I can I can have a very objective. Good and bad. Well, we had talked about making the pause points review. That's true. That, and the I system. think that that's something that we really need to work on to get an actual yep, rating that's, from That's our, our 2017 New Year's resolution yeah, is we, to we stop to sucking. That, and we need to start doing the YouTube videos. I keep telling... Uh, people keep telling us, get on YouTube, get on videos. We were going to do the drive through movie review with Road One, but we brought the wrong car and our, our rig was in the <laughs> other car that we were going to try to film with. So um, just to put things into perspective... Um, since y- you don't know what you're going to make your least favorite movie. No, no. It's not Captain America, right? No, no. That oh, was that that's was a good film. Right? I don't think it was a 2016 film, but I saw it in 2016. Yes, that's true. So we're going to, I'm going to read through really quick just the top 10 grossing movies of 2016. Um, number 10, believe it or not, I didn't know this was number 10. Doctor Strange um, just eked out uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by uh, a measly $6 million. Uh, so Doctor Strange was number 10, as much as it's our least favorite movie, and this is an anomaly that I still don't understand. Uh, Suicide Squad was number 9, uh, and that was with $325 million. Uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Versus, whatever. Uh, Dawn of Justice is number 8. Uh, and that is uh, 330 million. This is domestic, obviously. And then we have Zootopia. We I'm not going to do numbers. I've stopped. I, I've stopped right there. We had the same thought. So uh, Zootopia is number seven. Uh, Deadpool. I liked Zootopia a lot. I didn't like it as much as you. Um, I liked Finding Dory way better. 
And I think America did as well, as we'll hear in a second. Um, Deadpool is number six. Uh, Jungle Book was number five. So I think we were talking just the other day with some friends of ours that all together Disney has, between Star Wars, Marvel, animated, live action, they've pulled together like $8 billion. This wow. Year. Um, you got to think, it's it's all the Star Wars, all the Marvel movies. So, um, so Jungle Book was number five. The Secret Life of Pets is number four. Were you going to say something about the Jungle Book? No, I was saying Disney has seven of the top ten movies. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. So, um, the Jungle Book was amazing, by the way, Chad. It's on Netflix. You should watch it if you hadn't seen it yet. I hated the original. Oh, oh we did, did too. too. Really? Yeah, and, this is good. Okay. Yeah, John Favreau directed this one, and the cast, you need to watch it for the cast. Okay. Just in and of itself. I might be willing it's to. It's got Christopher Walken in it. Christopher oh, okay. Walken, Scarlett Johansson, Ben Kingsley. I mean, I might, I might be willing to give it a try, because the, the animated Jungle Book, I... Always hated. Oh, Bill Murray's Baloo, which is great. That's cool. So so number four is The Secret Life of Pets. I have no idea why that's on there so high, Uh, but apparently kids loved it and families loved it. Captain America Civil War, my number one, was uh, third place uh, with $408 Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Huh, mine beat yours. Is only second place. Uh, you think that would be number one, but it's not. I think the one that took everyone by storm this year that surprised everyone, including us, um, it's amazing it beat out Star Wars and Civil War, but the number one movie of the year is Finding Dory. Um, that is really? the top grossing movie of this year, and it, it almost made uh, $500 million domestic. It's uh, $486 million domestic, so... How did it only sell 57 million tickets and Star Wars Rogue One sold 2 billion tickets? Yeah, that, that, I think there's a little problem with their, we're looking at is definitely, their numbers. Yeah, off. So, so going by the list that you just read, I'm fairly certain that I did not see any of those films. That are in the top ten. Yeah. Well, none of them will be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I like. I think. Well, I can't. Dory. I can't remember what I saw of 2016 films, but what I did see, I think, were actually you know meaningful films. But <laughs> if Fantastic Beasts had been on there, I I was close it's to number see. eleven. It was number eleven. Okay. The saddest thing is on the 2017 list, Star Wars Episode Seven, which was released in yeah, 2015, that's... was number thirteen on this list. For 2016. Wow. Knowledge bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I did see it in... I guess I paid to see it in 2016. 2016. Uh, I saw it in both. See Finding Dory. Finding Dory was was good. It was a sequel, but it was really good. Oh, that one's going to be really hard for me because I was not a Finding Nemo fan. Oh, really? You weren't? No. It was just okay. So do you hate Rainbows and Sunshine as well? Well... (laughs) I no, love rainy days, but do you like Pixar movies? Oh, love Pixar movies. But you just didn't like Finding Nemo. It, it was just not really? my cup of tea. Hmm. Now, oh, I mean, so many of the others. I was a huge fan of the entire Toy Story series. Yeah. Um, the I think my favorite of the Pixar's is probably Wall-E. I thought it had a fantastic message to yeah, it. I loved, I loved it. Wall-E. I loved Wall-E. I loved Up. Um, I mean, there's there's not too many out there that I didn't like. But and and I didn't dislike Finding Nemo. It just it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, okay. I had that's I had no real interest in the Finding Dory one. So because I kind of found the Dory character annoying in Finding Nemo. So I don't know as much as I like Ellen DeGeneres. We're probably not going to do favorite TV shows or anything, right? 
The Crown. The Crown? Just really quick, you want to say what's your favorite? That's yeah. the only one that's nominated for a best TV series drama that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So I need to watch that tomorrow. This is a, amazing. I've actually watched the dramas that are nominated this year for a Golden Globe. So it's The Crown, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. I love all of those shows. Well, and I've only seen The Crown of that list. You haven't but- seen Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. And, and I saw the first episode or the first season of Game of Thrones years ago, but this was The Crown. I think excellent, excellent series. Acting was phenomenal. Um, the The whole production was very well done. Um, my friend Chris and I were talking last night, and, and we agreed it was it was feature film quality. It just happened to be a, a TV series. I mean, yeah, if it what, was that's a lot of what Netflix is doing right now. Yeah. Um, I would say that for me, I'm trying to think of what we watched this year. We watched a lot of shows. We watched a lot of shows. I think top of my head right now, just probably because we're talking about it, I I would have to say Stranger Things um, was my favorite. It was eight quick episodes, but I don't think I've been as elated and joyous watching anything in recent memory, like in the last decade, than when we binge watched eight episodes of Stranger Things in a 24-hour period. Yeah. It was just so nostalgic of our childhood. It was just the 80s. There was no cell phones. Kids were on bikes. Their parents didn't know where they were. They were running on these big adventures. It was just such a fun show. And the the kids' acting was amazing. But it was not just that. It It was... It was was just well done. It was a combination of all the filmmaking aesthetic and and feel of all of my favorite 80s directors, like, you know, Spielberg, and it had hints of Stephen King in there, and, and just... You know, it felt like it was the, reminiscent of the Goonies, the Goonies, and, and the thing in ET. ET. Well, that's cool. And, yeah, I mean, it was John Carpenter, but it wasn't like in-your-face, blatant '80s references. Yeah, it wasn't like flashy '80s. It was like the real '80s. What '80s was really like, not pop culture. 80s. So it's sort of like what what the Wonder Years was in the 1980s about the 1960s and 70s. Yes. Yeah. yeah, basically it was but with a sci-fi twist. Yeah. yeah. And that That's was cool. that in and of itself, the the show in and of itself stood on its own solidly. If it was about the year 2016, it would have been an awesome show. The whole 80s aesthetic and the fact that it wasn't poppy flashy 80s, it was like the real 80s that yeah. I grew up in, just made it all the more better. <laughs> I would put for TV series Vice Principals and Veep on HBO. Yeah, you've talked about those that were that. those were both still I mean, they're irreverent and awful and just amazingly funny. And watched both of those that were, you know, whatever they had online, I watched and they were really good. Vice Principles was interesting because it it started off just as sort of a stupid comedy kind of a thing. I mean, the whole premise and and all of it was a little weak, but it was just made to be funny. But as the, the season went on, it actually took some interesting, darker turns with its irreverent humor and so it became pretty i mean it never stopped being funny but it took a couple of twists and turns by the end that i'm very excited for the next season just to see where they go with the plot you know sort of the same way like with um oh what's the amc one that i like uh better call Saul. that's it better call Saul. yeah yeah that's the one chad just hit her microphone yeah um and that's a yeah. The second season of it was really good. I'm looking forward to I the third. I finally caught up with you on that one, and and I had to I had to kind of bypass the last 15 minutes of one episode because it accidentally got deleted by somebody, 
And um, but it was good. I, I like the way it ended. It's one of those AMC shows. Most of them are depressing and mm-hmm. and, and and just really kind of rough. But this one, it has those beats and those moments. But the rest of it is so kind of yeah. It keeps um, me coming back. It does. The rest of it is. Um, it's an underdog story, really. Mm-hmm. Even though you know how it's going to end, yeah, you're rooting for him, and he's he's a funny character too. So yeah. Um, but so you you would definitely say Queen or the Crown. <laughs> the oh, Queen, absolutely, the Crown. I would say Hands Stranger there. Things. Did you say? Like words? I said, I've watched all of them. This is us has been right. a joy to watch. I've I I love every episode. I think all of the characters work really well together. It's a very timely show, so that's one of the reasons I enjoy that one so much and i just like mandy Moore and and the guy that plays her husband he was from heroes um but i do have to say my favorite comedy that i watch you know when i'm in the mood for something really light-hearted and fun i just turned to hawaii 5 <laughs> is that still on oh it's totally still on and it's really it's still hilariously we get awesome some sort of joy out of watching that show wow there's always a murder it's, it's so ridiculous it's, crazy and we just start laughing i had actually just used that as a reference uh, the other day i was on a trip um with with one of my best friends we went to kentucky um because you know that's what you do for a vacation you go to kentucky and um we were somehow the subject came up and i asked him if he had ever seen the original title sequence to the hawaii 50 from back in the 60s and he hadn't and we i had him watch it because it's just so over the top yeah. with how they did it. And and the new one still has some aspects of that, which is fun. But because um, I had actually I'd seen an interview with one of the creators of the Mary Tyler Moore show that talked about doing that opening title sequence. Yeah, the and, <laughs> and they yeah, and they hired the person who did the title sequence for Hawaii Five O because they said that was that was just the best of the time. They thought that was amazing right and i thought well god it's been a long time since i've seen it and so i went back and watched it and thought wow that was what they used as the standard at the time thank god all we got was mary tyler moore tossing her hat in the air which was actually nice (laughs) it wasn't like the weird like you know fast-paced song with the camera that zooms in and out really quick and shows all the different scenes and focuses on that weird statue. And I think I think in, in the span of one episode this season, they traveled to three different countries, stopped a kidnapping, and defused a nuclear bomb. And the funniest thing about it is it's all played straight. And you wow. know they're just having a blast in the show. You're, meanwhile, you're just laughing because, you know, McGeerit's hopping on and off uh, helicopters as they explode. It's just, it's so over the top ridiculous. It's just. You haven't seen that funny. since MacGyver. Oh, it's, it's a so great funny. remake of a show. Really Whereas is. MacGyver is the worst That's, remake of a show ever. Yeah. I, okay. Wait, there's gotta, a remake of MacGyver? Okay, guys. Oh, yeah. I gotta, I gotta talk about this for a minute. I, I know. MacGyver, by the way. Joe met MacGyver in October. We did see Richard Dean Anderson. And it was awesome. It was the highlight of Joe's entire life. Right? Marrying you was the highlight of my entire life. Sure. MacGyver. <laughs> so, okay. So we, we saw MacGyver, and that was awesome. Joe got to meet him and shake his hand and, and schmooze with him a little bit. I have so many issues with this new MacGyver. I, I like this actor. He was fine in X-Men. And, Get comfortable. This is going to take a while. And everything. <laughs> I have a problem because you're an actor, but you still can't fake if you're good with your hands or not. 
he looks like he is fumbling over every single thing he does. Like he he's sawing with his Swiss army knife and he's just like hacking at the side of it. And all of a sudden there's this beautiful straight cut. No. And then he's wrapping duct tape around something and it's like sticking to itself. And then all of a sudden the next scene, oh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's, and watching him run is the most embarrassing thing ever. I can run better than this guy. You just you cast the wrong person or you need to give him lessons on how to actually make it look like you're doing something. (laughs) I am a very meticulous person and I do things very well. I'm very detailed and it's it's a struggle for me to watch him try to defuse a bomb. That's all I've got to say about that. So, yeah, that was Faith Rants about MacGyver. The new MacGyver is pretty horrible in case you haven't watched it. It's it's dumb fun. Um, but dumb being the operative. Yeah, word. dumb. It's more dumb. Watch than Scorpion fun. instead. Scorpion is. See, I, I don't mind Scorpion dumb is MacGyver fun. MacGyver with five people. So yeah, I don't mind dumb fun <laughs> if they're not trying to play it straight. Yeah. If if it's dumb fun and and that's the premise, then I'm all about it. I actually like every character on the show except MacGyver. <laughs> okay. So I, I I hate to say it, but I, I agree with her for the most part, and MacGyver is pretty bad. So um. That would be my worst show of 2016. <laughs> My least favorite show of 2016. Even though I'm watching every episode, I, I'm annoyed by it. it. It it might be mine as well. So, um, really quick, just honorable mention. You have another show? Ooh. That's fine. Go well, ahead. You said honorable mention. Go ahead. Well, I, it's not an honorable TV mention, so finish up. Okay. For my honorable mention for TV, I've been watching the series Mars on National Geographic Channel, and I've really enjoyed the premise of this show. So it takes place in 2037 with the first manned mission to Mars, but it also parallels what's going on now in 2016 to get people to Mars. So it has Elon Musk and his company SpaceX, and it's talking about all of the um, the ways they're pioneering the space industry. They talk about the psychology of what it's going to be like in space and being alone with these same people for months and months on end and then how you have to be in isolation in a contained environment so they go to Antarctica and see how they're working um, with those people down in Antarctica um, to grow plants and things so it's really neat the whole show is a dramatization of what life will be on Mars and how you get there and how you establish a colony and then how they're working towards it now and I've just really enjoyed that parallel it's a lot of fun and it's inspired me to be more creative as well. I thought you were going to say it's inspired you to get to Mars. So that too. Yeah. So the, the honorable mention thing I was going to say is don't forget everyone. If we haven't pushed it enough, this is Grimm's final season. Um, it's going to be starting here soon in January. Um, so don't forget to watch Grimm if you haven't uh, catch up on it. It's only a half season. It's a short season. I think they got like thirteen episode order. So. Um, definitely watch that but that's that's our favorite least favorite as far as um video games i would like to say this is the year that the uncharted series finally wrapped up um chad you even seen some of uncharted um it's it did the, yeah he did it, remember the guy in the plane it was kind of like an indiana jones type game we showed you the last time you were here that one where they're in that underwater world nope no that's bioshock oh so is this related to bioshock nope not at all so oh um, but Uncharted okay. wrapped up with Uncharted 4. Um, that is probably going to go down as my favorite movie, uh, video game this year. That, uh, I mean, when we talk about games 
not only being talked about in the same breath as movies and TV shows, but in some terms surpassing them. The acting in that game, the motion capture acting, and the vocal acting that the actors do, um, the gameplay, the the sheer level of how cinematic it looks, um, it just exceeds most movies that I saw this year to a certain extent as well. Um, it's an experience you just you can't get anywhere else, and they've done it three, four times now, and their fourth time, in my opinion, uh, probably my favorite one. Some people thought it was overly long. Um, some people. Uh, thought that it was just kind of more of the same. I thought it was perfect way to end the story. Um, it is one of those rare series in TV, movies, video games where the series was through and through uh, consistently good and ended on a great note. It ended on an amazing note. That's it cool. ended the way it should have ended. Um, <clears throat> and you can't say that you can't say that about most movies or TV shows. I always I always tease that in my mind the most. The closest thing to a perfect trilogy you're going to find in movies is probably Back to the Future trilogy. Um, yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, and, and this is the perfect um, quadrilogy. I don't know what you would call it. It's a is that the word? Um, Seems in, fair in the sense of video games. So, and, and it, I think it ended with probably its highest note. That's so, cool. It was great. It was outstanding. You they know, a, a good job. you know, a game I would like to play, the Oregon Trail. I haven't played that in years. It's a board game now. Really? Is it? Yeah, they oh, have wow. a board game of Oregon Trail. I heard it's really good. Yeah, I, I love Oregon Trail. If anybody can tell me how to find that that old Apple IIe version of the Oregon Trail. I think it's on iPhone now, actually. Is it really? If if there was a way to get it, I'd love to play that. Where you use the space bar to fire the gun and, you know, mama dies of dysentery and goes to be with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you always. I, I think that wraps most of it up. You guys haven't talked Golden Globes yet. Well, we can just we can just go through them really quick. And yeah, yeah, just make it weird. We well, let's just go over the big ones. So, best yeah. motion picture drama. We've got Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Chad, what do of you feel those like? of those, I've only seen Manchester by the Sea, and I thought it was good, and I think it it could be a good contender. But I have uh, one of my best friends who is a very very serious movie person has said now for a while that if there was one movie to see in 2016, you need to see Moonlight. So I haven't seen it yet, but I what I give, you know, what, what Paul says I normally give an awful lot of weight to because he's pretty into these things. He has a degree in philosophy, well, so he's a, yes. he's a thinker. Mm-hmm. And so if he says that, I'm thinking, yeah, that's definitely worth seeing then. Okay. And we have Best Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical. 20th Century Women, Deadpool, Florence Foster Jenkins, La La Land, and Sing Street. I have seen one of those. Which did you see? Deadpool. And? It's a comedy. Okay. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite movie ever. I don't think it's going to win. The fact that it's on that list and nominated is huge. I saw Florence Foster Jenkins and La La Land. Um... And Florence Foster Jenkins, I think, was good. I, I I really liked it. And again, good acting, good story. I thought it was a pretty good film. It's no Best Picture winner. It's probably no Best Picture nominee in terms of the Oscars. But it was a good film. Um, but if I was going to guess, it's going to be La La Land. Because I've seen that one. And it's gotten so much buzz. It's gotten a huge amount of buzz. I was not terribly impressed with it. It was, again, it was a good film. Um, and the music and the singing, I thought, were were quite good in it. 
and the characters had chemistry. It all worked. To me, the plot was kind of weak, and it was disappointing at parts, and it was not the feel-good film that I thought that it was going to be. Um, I, I guess I anticipated it was going to be something almost entirely different. But it was a good film, and I think that it would be a very good Golden Globe winner in that category. I wouldn't vote for it for Best Picture in the Oscars, but I have a feeling it'll get nominated. Okay. Um, Best TV series drama, we kind of all talked about this. The Crown, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. I mean, that is a toss-up to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going with The Crown because it's the one that I've seen, and I think it's good, but there's some good TV TV shows. Westworld is just so interesting. Just the the idea of the hosts and them Mm -hmm. not being human it has anthony hopkins it's it's a special show but as are all of them yeah that's true um and then what do we have best tv series comedy or musical atlanta blackish mozart in the jungle silicon valley transparent and veep i don't watch any of those i watch i watch veep and i think veep is really really great i know silicon valley's got a lot of buzz and i've heard that too and my my friend alina has told me she's watched silicon valley and said that it's great and she's told me it's a series i would really like that i need to watch it um so that i I put a lot of weight to into what she says too um but like I said, of the ones that are on that list, the only one I've seen is Veep. But I do think it's a phenomenal show. And Veep's, Veep won last year, I think. Did it? I think it's won it recently. Okay. I know Transparent I won a couple years ago. Uh, the only one on that list I have any desire to watch is Mozart in the Jungle. And that's on Amazon, I think. I should get on that. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. I think that's the highlights yeah. for those. We will probably come back and have an... Academy Awards podcast like coming up year. once second annual. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was our that was our beginning. Yes, that was so our very we'll beginning. We'll definitely be back for that. That is February twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely Let's block off that weekend. Yes, I just want to say like we've done this for a year now, which we've had some hit and miss moments where we disappeared for a month or two. Obviously, we told you guys real life stuff happens, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, for those of you guys who have listened, this year has been. Awesome. 2016 has been rough, but it's been great as far as podcasting goes. Um, Please. It's been really nice. Please go online, like us, give us some good reviews on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever you'd you'd like to do. That would be really, really helpful to us. We do plan on expanding when we can, getting better. Your reviews would really help with that. Yeah. And the last time we podcasted, we uh, shared some music from one of Joe's friends. He released um, an album. Yeah, you might have noticed our, our intro and outro music is different, and it's a lot cooler thanks to uh, uh, Dan Cummins and his his album Storm. Um, we were doing a giveaway. We told you guys to go ahead and write in, send us some emails um, for those of you who wanted to possibly uh, win a copy of his album um, that that came out a little while back. Um, we did have someone write in, and uh, we have a. a a winner. We had so. a few people write in. We yeah. selected this one as the winner of our first giveaway. <laughs> That's correct. That's right. <laughs> so this is the email that has won. It's actually from um, from Eric in New York. Uh, he's asking us, we have seen so many superhero movies over the past few years. Do you think this niche has become oversaturated? And how long can we enjoy this age of cinema awesomeness from Eric. Thanks for writing in, Eric. Yeah, thanks. So um, not only are you the winner, but we can probably go ahead and answer that question. That's I see no end in sight. <laughs> I, 
some people think as with Doctor Strange. As long as the horizon, <laughs> <laughs> we will have movies. Well, he's specifically asking about superhero movies. Superhero movies, yeah. yeah. So Doctor Strange, some people are saying, oh, this is the start of the downturn. I don't really think it was that bad. I just think it was a different direction. Um, moving forward, Kevin Feige at Marvel, he's kind of the head honcho over there, has said that they're going to be able to expand and combine universes now and really take a more personal approach with the superheroes they bring into the cinematic universe. Um, they've established with Phase 1, 2, and 3 that they know what they're doing, and this is sticking around, so... Um, I think I think moving forward, definitely people will have to evolve with the times. But I think superhero movies are becoming more of the the new standard best action movies of the year. Really, I mean, they're you got to think about Iron Man, Avengers, all those. They're 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 first and foremost action movies, and that most of them are lighthearted and fun. They're they're the the big popcorn blockbuster fun movies that people usually go see every year. Yeah, and so. they're for all ages. So well, kids yeah, love the them, part, yeah. adults love them. Now, I will say, of course, as we said before, DC's got their work cut out for them trying to figure out their formula. Hopefully, they'll do that uh, in 2017 with Wonder Woman and Justice League. Um, but um, I, I don't think they're going away. I think uh, I, I think the question is, does Marvel and Disney have a monopoly on that part of the industry? And um, a creative monopoly, I guess you could say. And I think they do. And, you know, it's, it's something they've earned in in my opinion and if someone wants to come out there and challenge them they've got to do as good if not better than them um and no one has done that so far in my opinion so it'll be interesting to see going down the road if we have things like singing in the rain versus superman (laughs) (laughs) awesome idea (laughs) but i mean it's it's not just the marvel movies i mean we're still getting transformers we're still getting turtles Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is coming out, and they're taking a real serious note on that. Oh, yeah. thank God! So, <laughs> yeah, well, I think that people are trying. They're trying to get some more properties out there. They are, and, and you know, everybody says there's no new fresh ideas, but there's also the old adage that everything old is new again. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, well, I think I think honestly, this generation, our generation, more than any other generation. Um, kids are being self-propelled into their own nostalgia that they grew up with and are able to actually do something with it by becoming movie directors or video game directors or, um, you know, you hear people talk about the writers, uh, the writers of Star Wars or the people that worked on Star Wars that Rogue One was essentially, I heard on a podcast the other day that Gary Whitta was on, Rogue One is essentially um, his, his best Star Wars fan fiction come to life. You have these kids growing up in the 80s loving these movies that they grew up on with Star Wars and Star Trek and you know Transformers, and they get to actually play in that universe now because they've chosen that yeah. as a lifestyle and a career because what they watched and what they loved as a kid shaped their career in the future and it really is i mean rogue one is a fan fiction movie that is given the budget of a blockbuster and uh, when you think of it like that and the fact that we have this big playground of stuff that we grew up in that is now new again the the adage old is new again has never been more extreme than it is right now and it's pretty awesome and i and i I can't see it really disappearing um anytime soon so i think my goal would or, or my dream would be now that disney owns the star wars Somewhere in the next movie, I would like to see... You know how the last one, they had that new droid? The orange yeah, one? Yeah, BB-8. Yeah, so they've got R2-D2 and BB-8. I would like for the next one 
to be Herbie, Herbie the Love Bug <laughs> and be driven by the Apple Dumpling Gang and figure out a way to put that into the Star Wars. That's the most obscure <laughs> Disney references. The Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> Wasn't that Don Knotts? Or... <laughs> Don Knotts and Tim Conway. So, so y'all go look that one up and tell me if that would not be wonderful to come into the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right. Faith, anything else? I think that's it. Chad? Nope. I'm good. Nope. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up then. Um, don't forget to write in and email us and, and go to our Twitter and Facebook and everything. And Yeah, and you can always find us at pausepointspodcast.com online. And I just paid the money to renew the, the email address again for the next oh, month. Good. So we're good to go. Right, in, right into us. All right. Let us know what we owe you. <laughs> All right, guys, keep in touch. Don't forget our Patreon. Um, we want to make this thing ever-evolving, so give us any comments you want and keep the discussion going on our Facebook page and Twitter as well. Keep it paused right here. Take care. Take care.